0: 2021 Why Not Cam Awards winner Chelsea Poe. I'm here to tell you about my cam studio, Treasure Cams. Treasure Cams is a performer-led webcam studio owned by queer porn star Bella Vendetta. We welcome all 21-plus miles who want to earn a paycheck from home as cam performers. We're open to all body types, genders, persuasions, and presentations. You get access to our performer-only forums, monthly team meetings, as well as help with promotion and marketing. For customers... Check out treasurecams.com to see all of our models, schedules, and photos. treasurecams.com former spot I'm Chelsea Poe today I'm here with iconic femdom goddess Starlo welcome to the podcast
1: thank you for having me this is I'm awesome
0: so, I'm so excited to talk to you you're like <laughs> what you're like my favorite dom in porn like the wow. stuff you did for Wasteland is so amazing so I'm a little starstruck right now uh, but
1: thank you that's so I, flattering
2: it's so yeah
0: flattering. yeah um, so you're in Montreal right yes yeah so are you from Montreal? Did you get started in the porn scene there? Because I've interviewed, I think now you're the third person this season from Montreal, and it seems like there's really a porn scene that exists there.
1: Um, yeah, there's a nice little pocket of um, performers here. Um, uh, I know I know more about like when I started doing sex work here, there was a lot more going on. And with the pandemic and everything, I don't know where people are hiding away. Mm-hmm. Like I know there's a lot of people blossoming on OnlyFans, but I don't. I don't know where they are. I don't know where they hang out. <laughs> but um yeah, I'm originally like I was born in Saskatchewan. Oh, okay <laughs> Rosetown, Saskatchewan. And shout out uh, Saskatchewan. <laughs> <'cause that's gone. laughs> <laughs> and um well, I was born in Saskatoon but lived in Rosetown, um, lived in Saskatoon, lived in Stetler, Al- I'm just gonna drop these like small towns because that's, See, that's where I came from, you know. I'm,
2: Stetler, I'm from Michigan Alberta. so
0: I'm from Michigan so I know all I know a lot of small towns in Canada because of mm-hmm. that so I'm really enjoying this so please shout out all <laughs> the central Canadian towns you need to.
1: Um, but I grew up um, in Calgary like that I consider that my hometown um and I I went to art school there I got a degree and like I did performance art and like in my in my 20s my early 20s it was just like a normal thing to be naked in front of an audience and you got like mm-hmm. a lot of street cred from just like being crazy and naked <laughs> and it was a time where like you had to get your film developed like if you wanted to take pictures you had to mm-hmm. you know. Um, it, it wasn't. This is before smartphones. You know, was so old school. Like I had a landline. Like um we had the internet, but I remember, like I was in I was in college, and I was like, Google, what's okay? A Google, what is that? He's googling. What it like?
2: You know, yeah, so. I totally get
0: you. I mean, it's so weird just to think that, like, so much of our lives, the internet just wasn't a thing. that it was just this like secondary thing in the background that we didn't really utilize all the time.
1: And I think like, there's been a lot of, like, this was a grace period for me really to like discover myself because, you know, I like, I'm, I'm sober now, but I used to drink a lot in art school and just like a lot of drunken karaoke. And like, I'm just (laughs) so blessed that it wasn't all over tiktok you know that my peers weren't documenting like all of this like debauchery um but uh it was and it was a lot of fun like i hung out with a lot of uh painters like abstract painters and stuff and it was just so romantic to throw paint around and we thought we were all geniuses you know so <laughs> being a performer, I feel like that's
0: usually how it goes. Yeah I
1: think we were all trying to out genius each other but really it was just like who who could get the drunkest and like
0: is this in Calgary?
1: Yeah yeah.
0: Wow Um, that's so cool I had no idea I just have almost a like cowboy stereotype of Calgary.
1: Well and that was in the in the background so I grew up with the Calgary Stampede with all that tourism Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and um Yeah. That redneck-ish like people, (laughs) whatever it is, it is what it is. But so you had a lot of corporate guys working for oil companies. And Mm -hmm. when Stampede would roll around, you could wear blue jeans and cowboy wear on Fridays and (laughs) the office would take you out for beers. And this was like, you had it made, you know, if you
0: could wear blue jeans. Four people. Yeah, for people who are listening to this podcast who are not aware, like calgary like it's like the Texas of Canada, basically. <laughs> it's it's different. It's very different it's than what I think different. most people in the United States think of Canada. Because they think of like Ontario or like BC. It's just like so drastically different.
2: Yeah,
1: and drastically different than um than British Columbia because mm-hmm. British Columbia entire like. Calgary it's like a whole bunch of little countries like back to back and so British Columbia has its own identity and then but Calgary is like and the economy it's it's from oil so Mm -hmm. you know it's there there's uh you know it's a good good economy like um money like there's money there and we Mm -hmm. like we had our boom and everything but so I grew up like being a beer tub girl was a thing
0: mm-hmm.
1: and i'm not going to get into specifics about like all the bars that i used to hang out, it's just oh you too, can
0: if you want i cringe
1: okay <laughs> well anyway so like there's a bar called cowboys <laughs> um and you can be a beer tub girl and make a lot of money and the, like this was yeah you had it made if you could because i don't know if cowboys would buy you a boob job or whatever but all you like you stand in front of a tub of like beer with all the ice and everything and dance to techno music and
0: oh okay like, I'm, and I'm unaware of this honestly yeah, so
1: being a beer tub girl in Calgary was a thing and there weren't a lot of strip clubs but anyway so that the sex industry it was like pretty sparse and like conservative because mm-hmm. it's it's a polite conservative city but during Stampede that's when Everything would be let loose, and you know cowboys would be raking it in or whatever. So yeah, like pretty whatever redneck, like um, Texas of Canada. Um, But uh, yeah, so the artists. Yeah, you know we we were amongst all these cowboys, but we like Johnny Cash. You know.
0: Oh yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) At the pubs. Old country, yeah. Yeah, like old country, and it the bars were pretty rowdy though like it's like you guys you're not actually johnny cash but there would be like a lot of bar fights and stuff oh wow so you'd be sitting there at the pub and everyone would get really drunk and there was usually like a, a fist fight would break out it but this was like part of part of the cowboy wild west lifestyle you know and like, yeah just so weird because none of us could ride a horse. Like none of us were <laughs> cowboys, but there was that that was just sort of lingering in the psyche of the city. But you can
0: wear the hat, you can have yeah. the whole wardrobe and not have it be like, oh, why is that person dressed as a cowboy?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And if you listen to Johnny Cash, like you're a badass. So so anyway, <laughs> yeah. um, so I went to art school there and <laughs> learned to get naked for an audience and like <laughs> doing performance art. Um And I, I didn't do like, I didn't do stripping. I didn't some do burlesque or anything. Um, but what happened was like, I met Randy who's like real name. Of course I won't, I won't reveal, but Mm -hmm. I met Randy at art school and we were both performance artists and we ended up doing like, I had never done a porn before,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: um, and we shot like this little video um Annie Sprinkles had a had her yellow wedding there in Calgary oh really yeah so we debuted um the porn that we made and I'm not going to get into it too much because I don't want I don't know I don't (laughs) don't even have a copy of it so I don't even know where where it's floating around out there somewhere but anyway because I'm still like all this stuff you still get held to it like I still run into people who've seen this this video, like all these years later, because mm-hmm. um, this was like two thousand six or something, um, and we debuted that that porn, and it was well received, and it was like really comical, and um, so I think stepping into porn, it was it was on that that footing in mm-hmm. the name of performance art, so. Um, so I felt comfortable. I felt safe. And yeah, it was for like, um, iconic Annie Sprinkles as iconic, yeah, you know,
0: completely.
1: Yeah. So, and then, and then after that, I, I thought, well, okay, now what do I do? Like, I've been in a porn now. Like I, I feel different. Like, um, where do, well, like, how do how do I pursue something or I don't know I just felt different
0: yeah I, don't, where I don't, it was like I did this thing it's kind of a delineation from I used to like be in a bunch of bands and do like performance art stuff but when you're actually doing porn it's it's a different thing you know
1: yeah it was like crossing a different veil or something like that and then Randy had had mentioned webcaming and I was like well I'm not web, what he's like <laughs> yeah my my ex-girlfriend does webcaming I'm like what do you have to do? I'm not gonna do that. Like, it seems so sketchy to me. For sure. I definitely had those feelings
0: before too.
1: (laughs) Like, and there weren't that many, well, compared to now, there were not that many uh, cam companies. Mm -hmm. Um, And even accessing porn on the internet, like there were no free tube sites. So you had to kind of like hunt and peck for where to where to find videos and stuff so like that little porn world it wasn't as massive for as sure. it is now but yeah I did like my research and found websites I liked and I think like I really got into I applied to be like a suicide girl and got rejected and stuff like that so I was just sort of like searching for myself and that. yeah in that realm um
0: there's a lot of stories on this podcast of people being like, I got rejected by Suicide Girls. Then I started my own company, basically. Or, oh, I then I found this company to be a part of. So that's, I think, a pretty common trend.
1: <laughs> it's good to be a reject. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, so I started webcamming, and I ended up um, working at a, a local dungeon. And
0: mm-hmm. like, I didn't- In Calgary still?
1: Yeah. And- I didn't know what I was getting into but I um I felt comfortable like I had a I had a session with the with the manager and he's like maybe you could be a professional sub and I didn't even know what that was <laughs> and I let him strap me into like his spanking bench and cane me and like I wasn't scared and I look back really? on that like Jesus Christ like <laughs> <laughs> what I like did you know what did I get myself into but I feel like I don't know I I don't want to say like I earned my stripes early on but I kind of just jumped into everything I
0: mean kind of literally with the caning probably
1: yeah and it was it was some pretty hard caning but anyway so I was working at this dungeon and I was working as um a professional sub and then I ended up doing like a really brief apprenticeship with one of the mistresses there. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah. And then, uh, and then I moved to, I moved to Montreal. I'm not going to like give all the details of like the reasons and that.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, and then like did some, did some other projects and stuff like that. And then joined, uh, another like, uh, dominatrix co-op here, here in Montreal and just, Because there was still like a lot that I didn't know, because I remember living like I was in Calgary, and I was making like way more money (laughs) than I was in Montreal. Yeah, working, working as a like a professional sub and and dominatrix, but because it was just there was so much more sex work in Montreal, and it was like so much more for
0: sure. Yeah. What was Um, like the BDSM scene like in Calgary? Was it super small or was it?
1: It was small, but it was, it was tight, you know? Um, and like, uh, there was always kind of one like good gay bar, you know, that, that you could go to and you, you felt like you were amongst your people, but, um, yeah, with things being smaller, um, you know, it's like, it's like a small town or something. You do one thing and everybody hears about it or whatever.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, um,
1: but there was enough going on that I, you know, I was discovering myself there. And mm-hmm. um, and then, and like, I just, I really identified with being queer, you know? Yeah. And that was just, um, yeah, the, the queer community. And it was like, it was much smaller and like less well-known than of course like um, how the community is today but
0: yeah uh, I just I just feel my view of Montreal is just it's so much more of a creative city almost where it's there's really a like a real scene there already where I feel like Calgary in my mind is just like more smaller and just is that pretty true did you f- notice a very big difference going to Montreal
1: yeah absolutely like but Montreal its personality um it was very much like a a club and bar city mm. like and you go you go to Montreal to like get drunk on the weekend and run away from your problems you know like of people come here from other cities and stuff so like a very healthy uh club scene um party party city and yeah so when I came here um the lifestyle was a lot more bohemian you could just get away with like less and um yeah I fell into sort of like the the cat like cabaret fetish um bar scene here and I I ended up working for a webcam studio that really helped me find my footing Mm -hmm. and um the studio um too much and they were they um featured on um the reality tv show web dreams that was on show oh I've
0: never heard of that
1: yeah so that was so I came into that and I was all Mm starry-eyed about about the industry and everything so and like I was working with a group of girls for a dungeon and that but that was so fun and just so punk rock and we were all coming up with our little formulas and rules Mm -hmm. and like ethics with that um and then some of us were working at the the webcam studio so there was like this nice crossover and I just like I met the coolest girls there like we all kind of called it like lesbian college or something (laughs) because (laughs) there was a lot of like girl girl shows Um, but it was just a nice studio in the old port with like all these rooms and like with different themes and stuff and some of the rooms they didn't have walls but you had a curtain and you could hear people's shows right and it oh, was just for sort sure. of like yeah <laughs> inspirational to hear another girl <laughs> coming in the other room and it like you know yeah
0: like that's such a motivation for
1: your own show yeah
0: yeah when you're doing a cam show and in like a studio with other cam girls I feel like also when you're having a bad cam show and you hear everyone else making money that can be kind of discouraging I remember that but it's also like Oh, what are they doing? It's just some girl screaming across the hallway and you just don't know what they're doing.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like when I would when I would go in if the if the top girl was in there, I was like, okay, she's gonna be making noise like all night, you know?
0: Yeah. Also, you discover like people with the weirdest fetishes. Um, I used to cam at the kink.com armory as a cam girl okay, and oh, wow. there, yeah, it was a mixed bag. It's okay. both good and bad. Um, right. Like they ran a like a tech company here, essentially. So there were some issues with people. They were like, oh, you can just spend the night here. We have beds for you. You don't ever have to leave that sort of thing. We have a private chef. We have this. We have that. But um, with the weird fetish stuff, I just remember one girl. She just a client paid her to dump like it was like four gallons of silicone lube on herself just over and over and over again. And it's just like you never would get that experience just camming at home like the studio thing I really like in a lot of ways because it really makes it feel like there's a community and like you have peers and co-workers and everything
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and it it takes you out of your comfort zone like in Mm -hmm. a a good way I find yeah and that's like that's one thing about being being on set too like a porn set like that isn't isn't your home and it just Mm -hmm. puts you in the zone where you're like okay know your adrenaline's like just really up and you're like let's go like let's
0: for sure let's
1: put on a show kind of thing right um yeah so we when we were at that cam studio we we would also like model for um sorry somebody's trying to call me that's totally good um we also um modeled for a series of um fetish websites Mm-hmm. so we had like you know like that that kind of this pouring the silicone over your head like the 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 slime kind of oh edge, yeah like where when you're like in a pool of um slime or like green green slime um mm-hmm. or ice cream or you know that kind of sloshing. yeah like splashing yeah yeah totally <sighs> you know i spl- it's so funny because it's like i know i splashed something but i can't remember what it was and it's like <laughs> what did i rub all over my naked body was it was it shampoo no it wasn't shampoo well i think i think mine was glitter like it was like this gel oh
0: that's fun it that had like
1: glitter in it or something
0: but that's it's so a funny really fun it's one. like
1: yeah i remember i i sloshed something but i can't remember what it was um and then like i did um balloon fetish
0: which yeah lunar yeah,
1: stuff yeah so it it was just this uh, it was such a a golden era in my in my opinion cuz some mm-hmm. some of the girls that I worked with like they just want to like scratch that off of their existence you know cuz they want to sure. enter the professional world and they're just so scared that their balloon fetish stuff is going to surface and sometimes it does which is yeah. like so sad because it's a you don't know what direction you're gonna go in in life Mm -hmm. and for me like yeah i've tried to like i'll go off and i'll do other things and do other projects and stuff but i'm i'm definitely held to my past you know yeah for sure um but some girls girls or guys they just totally break off of the industry Mm -hmm. and they you know and you want your privacy too
2: you
0: know? Yeah. So, I think it's a really hard balance right now because I feel like there's so much of um, being a performer where you have to put yourself out there in social media and have to be authentic and come across that way. But you also have to have some level of, okay, this is my private life. I don't want to put everything out there at all times.
1: Yeah. And it's, um, cause like, I don't know, as, as somebody who, who makes porn and like thinking of things, that way or thinking of it as a career I can't even sometimes it's hard for me to imagine being someone who doesn't profit off of their media at all Mm -hmm. and like I forget that that exists and it's like
0: for sure oh you're
1: making this platform on social media so what what do you make from it it's like and that the currency is the likes Mm
0: -hmm. and the
1: followers just in itself but you don't make any and it's like why you do it for the glory, for the likes. And so yeah, I, like, right? I came from a place where it's like, I didn't grow up doing things for the, for likes, you know? And so I find that just so bewildering. Um, yeah. I feel like so that's so real.
0: I think that's like the difference with just the, the whole artist and performer mindset, because for me, it's been, since I've been 15, I've been either in bands or making film or making porn where it's, you know, if I'm putting stuff out into the world, it's with that in mind, you know, and I feel like for so many people they don't really have that. I think that's just kind of like the differentiation maybe with artists.
1: Yeah. Um it I'm I'm just we we don't know what, what the next what the next direction is, right? But it like mm-hmm, I for sure. I try to imagine mm-hmm. like where where we're going from here and I don't know. I myself like I really liked I call them my, my Tumblr days,
2: you know?
0: Tumblr, it's, yeah.
1: It's it, like you would just have the all best. these photos and you would, just, you would just drop it, you know? You would just drop all your photos and it wasn't this constant live feed of, of what you're doing with your life. And um, so you would go live your real life and then have the, the photo evidence of everything. But um, it just, it felt like a lot more free.
0: Yeah also I feel like you could give more context to what you were doing and yeah. I feel like now it's just so limited where I feel like Twitter is a lot more transactional where it's mm-hmm. like I'm posting stuff so people can buy it where with um, Tumblr I felt like it was there was very much a community community and like a movement around porn. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah
1: so I I don't know I just reminisce about about tumblr and i hope like something tumblr like will roll around again but i feel like that's probably not going to be the direction of things
0: yeah i certainly hope so i think that was just such a magical era of porn like 2010 to maybe like 2015 or whenever it was sold like i just felt like there was so much stuff that you could like you could really discover so many new porn artists just on tumblr Mm -hmm. it felt like there's just so many people making stuff kind of all around the world
1: Mm-hmm. yeah wholesome I feel like uh
2: yeah there's just yeah the like
1: wholesomeness to everything and just experimental and um things now it just it feels so commercial mm-hmm. um but I mean like for me it, w- it was a big shift for me. <laughs> like, yeah. just, like being being on TikTok because I was just like okay you know what I'm so scared of TikTok like, and I don't, I should just discover it. So like now at least I'm, I'm giving it a shot, but. Um, oh,
0: you're on TikTok? Yeah. Wow. That's great. Yeah.
1: I, um, just, just to know what's going on, you know? Um, Cause I just want to be part of the conversation of media. Still,
0: <laughs> you know? I'm I'm not on TikTok. I'm I feel like I've missed too much of it already and I'm too late to go now.
1: Yeah. I don't know, but it's just really um it's a portal on mm-hmm. its own, right? And I probably spend way too much time on there now, but at least I'm not afraid of TikTok. because um, I was it was just like this thing that was just um so so scattered and fragmented mm. and filtered and just felt just so commercial but um so anyway i'm working on myself um i'm i'm discovering tiktok i'm trying to um realize like things that i'm afraid of and try to try to study it or you know that kind of know your enemy kind
0: of thing. <laughs> so that's a real. Study
1: study your enemy so that's that's what i'm doing
0: yeah, I think that's a really good thing. I think I'm definitely slacking on the whole TikTok thing. I am I feel like, um, well, my partner's in tech, so I feel like I feel so behind about so many things where I just discovered like Instagram stories recently where I'm like, wow, all these people are posting all this stuff and I had no idea. <laughs> so I feel like I need to catch up a little bit, but I think that's great that you're doing that because I feel like all this stuff is eventually going to move in that direction. It's just going to be whatever the new app is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just so, it's all so fast and just so bewildering. Um, but yeah. So with, with that, mm, I, I felt so overwhelmed like with the pandemic. Cause I, I took a break from like a lot of lifestyle stuff, a lot of finished stuff, mm-hmm. um, 2017. And I went back to school for three years and then the pandemic wow. happened and I just, I wasn't, I wasn't really shooting. Um, it was pretty strict here in Quebec and mm-hmm. like we had a lot of lockdowns and everything. And it, it was, it was just all really sad. Um, Cause like a lot of dungeons shut down and bars, you know, yeah. really supported the community and we didn't have um, Montreal fetish weekend and stuff like that. So the city was like really starving. And a lot of businesses went under and everything. And yeah, I just didn't have access to to models or to dungeon spaces. And I just felt mm-hmm. like I'm not, I'm just not gonna shoot out of my apartment. Like it just everything just feels so devastating and jarring. Like I'm not gonna, you know, uh, if I'm if it's just not a right the right time, I'm gonna take a break. Yeah. You know? Um. But now like I'm trying to springboard back into into doing what I used to do and that consistency and um, because my stuff was always like very amateur and kind of funky and DIY and I'm still like that. Like I didn't, I didn't buy a house from OnlyFans, you know, I didn't didn't hit a gold rush with that. And like, (laughs) I look to the left and right, and there's so many girls just raking it in and I don't, I just, it didn't, it didn't happen that way for me, you know, Mm -hmm. and when I was just discovering latex and full catsuits, you know, it was like 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. So it's just not the same discovery for me now. So I'm not, I'm just like, not gonna, uh, I just, I want, I want what I do to be authentic and I Mm -hmm. don't want to just parade around in latex and that's, that's the end of it. Like i I want to discover the next thing yeah because a lot a lot of stuff that's happening now I feel like I did that already and I've been doing that for Mm -hmm. for a while like underground or whatever and um it's but it's it's really crazy to see how much um femdom is like mainstream now like yeah on tiktok because my um former business partner he kept pushing me to go on TikTok and I'm like "Hmm. it's it's for young people I'm too old that's that's how I feel (laughs) yeah and he's like there's so many communities on there he's like there's so much femdom on there and I'm like what are you talking about no there isn't like when I go on there it's just a bunch of people dancing in their kitchen
2: right like,
1: (laughs) like search the hashtags and he's like there's there's pig talk there's chastity talk there's feet talk and bullshit there is so i go <laughs> on there and i'm like oh my god it's like discovering like like a secret door wow. and, open up. and so i've been following dom talk because dom talk is like it's like that's where i feel comfortable because I, I don't want to go on tiktok to talk about pegging like i just
0: yeah i
1: have enough pegging in my life and i don't i don't it <laughs> on that ha- i don't need the hashtag peg talk but i like i like dom talk and there's just so many girls in their 20s discovering everything and you know they're holding up a dog collar for you know maybe it's their first few years of doing that Mm -hmm. and they're holding it up like it's a discovery and I'm like oh my god (laughs) this was me 10 years ago yeah (laughs) and it's it's really amazing to see the next up and coming and the kind of girls who will make media for themselves like that and Mm -hmm. you can tell the ones that they really have that edge and they really get like a deep sense of what yeah of what fandom is because there's a lot of girls you see on there it's like someone else is doing everything there's the man behind the camera mm-hmm. and he's paying for everything and he just wants to see a gorgeous woman all in latex but he's he's telling her everything to do you know so you can really which is fine like if you want to make your gold rush and yeah. you're gorgeous like but you can you can really um get a sense of like the difference and everything so um, but yeah. yeah like all this stuff that they're doing now I was trying to do on tumblr and it was like just a really different thing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean tumblr was so effing kinky that it was like I would follow people who are into way crazier shit than I was because I'm like I need to evolve this further <laughs> and there was just like honestly so much that I'm just like wow it's just so vast
1: yeah, and it's just it's a shame to see because they've taken down like you know all the porn now, right? Like Yeah, I mean, Tumblr.
0: you can still have like some fetish stuff. Um so like as long as it's like not nudity, you can have it. So there's still some very very kinky things I follow that I'm like, "Oh my god, that's crazy." But <laughs> um yeah, it's basically censored now, where you can't have nudity, you can't have nipples. Um, but there's still porn stuff that does exist there. It's just See, not a community like before.
1: Right. See, like, I just, I get so worried that that's going to happen to Twitter.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: <laughs> because like, I'll, I spend a lot of time reflecting, like, what's going to happen if we can't?
0: we're going to go somewhere. I mean, we have to (laughs) see, that's the thing that gives me hope about porn. Like no matter how much people try to regulate it, it's existed for so long that it's going to go somewhere else and it's going to make someone a bunch of money. And I guess that's the thing that gives me hope. Also, I just feel like Twitter is so fucking toxic (laughs) that there's just like so much negativity on there and people just posting to be mean or cruel to each other that, that, I don't know i just feel so um kind of jaded by it also just the amount of shadow bans on sex workers on there too
1: mm-hmm. 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 so yeah, i hope i hope um when when um you ask me like what are changes i'd like to to see important it, mm-hmm. it, just these platforms that will support um,
0: yeah
1: or sex workers and like just create a healthy space if, if that's possible.
0: Yeah. I mean, just truly the amount of criminalization of sex workers in the United States. I mean, yeah. I mean, I feel like so much of it's because these companies are in the United States. So they are on the same level of criminalization of sex workers that is here. Even if you're doing quote unquote legal sex work, you're still going to have your bank account seized. Like I don't have a PayPal anymore. I don't have Google wallet. Um, the company I work for we had our Bank of America account seized for um sex work and it's just like it feels like it's never ending that even if you're doing everything legally and paying your taxes and being a law-abiding citizen you're still getting criminalized in multiple ways
1: it's horrendous
0: it really is but I think the amount of places that are starting to do have decriminalization and um discrimination protection laws like put into place it gives me hope that there is eventually going to be a time hopefully in most of at least North America that sex work is viewed as you know just another job it gives me hope also going to Amsterdam gives me hope every time I go because it's just so sex worker friendly and right yeah
1: how how often do you go
0: um before the pandemic, I was going like twice a year. But Are you um,
1: really I love Amsterdam. Yeah, I've only it's... been once in my 20s, but and this was before I did any sex work at all. And I stumbled, I was with friends and we just we got lost in the city and we got lost mm-hmm. in the red light district. And we yeah. like we were so naive. We're like, <laughs> oh that <this>, okay,
0: <laughs> we know what yeah. this
1: is. And but I it's just it's amazing there. It's it really
0: amazing. is. See, I'm from a city named Holland in Michigan, but super conservative, like I would assume most of central Canada is. (laughs) So it was super conservative and very Dutch. So it wasn't until I went to the Netherlands for the first time where I'm like, oh, my God, my job is just a normal job here. There's not a big deal around it. Like people are just, oh, yeah, there's sex workers walking down the hallway of our hotel. It's normal. It's fine. And I think that just like really changed my view on sex work and just like boundaries around sex work, because particularly with camming, you have to be a bitch sometimes to people, even though I'm a pro sub, I still have to be like, okay, you have to pay money. And I feel like just having those boundaries after going to Amsterdam, it puts me in such a better space because it's just like, you know, this is a job. This is a respectable job. I don't have to deal with this bullshit, you know?
1: Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Have you seen the documentary um, Meet the Falcons? I have not. Oh, you you should. <laughs> it's about um, two um, elder, like they're they're older now, um, elderly women working in the in the red light district, um, and uh, I they've retired now. But it's just it's such a I'll send you a link. Um,
0: I, yeah, I would love to. See it's that, it's amazing because
1: because like I've over the years I've been inspired by um, Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. and then just recently oh you know what, it, what what book did i read i met i um read um the book um thriving in sex work oh yeah and she mentioned yeah and she mentions uh lola mentions aging in in sex work and um she talks about that um that documentary and also um my my granny the escort um Which, because getting, it's a long journey to be. Yeah. It's such work in porn and being documented, and if you want a long running career doing that, you like you psychologically just have to prepare yourself for like how your body's going to change and how it's going to be documented, going through all these changes and the vulnerability of thinking that you devalue because you're you're getting older and I found like with that book and watching um these documentaries and just the attitude of these these women just just owning their experience owning their personalities and um just finding pleasure
2: Mm -hmm. you know
1: at any age and it's really inspirational um so I think yeah and like just just not letting go of what a celebration sex work can be because it can mm-hmm. just, I find like, just the judgment and the comments throughout the years it can really like start to wear you down, kind of yeah. thing. And I find like personally because I've been doing this, you know, it's been it's been over a decade, like um, <laughs> getting closer <laughs> to two at this point. <laughs> and you know, there's just some, and also that that book, um, thriving in sex work. Mm-hmm. She talks about um, cho- like choose- choosing your clients more. And mm-hmm. I'm finding just because I've been seeing clients for X, you know, maybe over a decade doesn't mean I have to continue, you know, if I don't feel like the relationship yeah. is just like evolving in a good way to just fire them.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, so I've, I'm finding, you know, I'm taking a bit of a financial hit by breaking off some of my clients but I find like my headspace is is cleaner you know which is Mm -hmm. where I want to be like coming out of a pandemic so Um.
0: yeah I feel like the pandemic especially with sex work I mean I've been in for about a decade and it's the longest I took time off I haven't I didn't shoot for over a year and I feel like for so many of us it was really just like recalibrating like okay What am I getting out of this? What do I enjoy out of this? Why am I really doing this? Like, because at some point it's not about money because you can make money other ways. But like, at some point you're like, okay, why am I really doing this? What's the real meaning? What am I actually getting out of this? You know, and I feel like for me, I would have never had those thoughts if it wasn't for the pandemic because I was, oh, I have to finish this next film. I have to get to this set. Oh, I should work for this company, you know? Did was the pandemic a really pivotal thing for you to just kind of recalibrate of your reasons for doing sex work?
1: Um mm, I I think I think it it helped me mm, it reinforced more of who I was mm. um because like I was for a while like I was I don't know what you want to call it having more of a straight lifestyle and it really made me realize how that just wasn't fitting. Mm. It was just like, the shoe is not going to fit. Like, if I'm not getting men naked and like spanking them, you know, and hurting them, like there, it's just, there's something missing and that's not going to mm-hmm. go away. And um, yeah, that's just something that I've had to, you, you have to design yourself you know and I just I felt like well is it and of course it's okay to be an older dominatrix but I just for me like I didn't know if that was the right fit but it but it it, you can't subtract like all those experiences you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so I think ultimately it's just about coming up with your individual style and um like people just just want to live you know what I mean Just Mm -hmm. And you don't know what's going to come your way, but just going day to day and just trying to live your life. And yeah, it's a matter of lifestyle. I mean, I don't, if, if I'm not going to like a fetish party or if I'm not going to a club to dance, like like I'm not a party person.
0: (laughs) Same. Yeah.
1: (laughs) um, Like I, I keep to myself and I'm quite introverted and that's, that's part of my lifestyle. And so I'll have like my downtime and then I'll amp up for like going out and, you know, um, having a play session or a, doing a scene at a club or like something in the name of exhibitionism. But, um, and that's just, that's a lifestyle that that you make. And I think I think overall, like with the transparency of the internet, we're getting little windows into what that is to, navigate your own lifestyle Mm -hmm. um so it's just it's strange to be like in a weird way I don't want to say like held accountable by all the people that you know but just through social media like because you know when you don't post something people are like well what what are you doing what have you been doing what are you
2: hiding
1: (laughs) you know it's so weird it's like why am I held accountable (laughs) with my lifestyle to like just everyone I'm friends with on social media or whatever but it it just is that way it's like you won't like we want to keep up with the joneses or just always like peer over our neighbors like picket fence like what are you up to yeah and it just it's so it's so weird but um I think like people just they want to explore different lifestyle and they want they want to know what's out there and just like get get different ideas and Um, Yeah, no one wants to feel like they're missing out either.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I feel like there's (laughs) definitely... Yeah, I think there's a lot of that, especially I think being a sex worker or being any sort of performer, once you start putting yourself out into the world, I feel like there's almost this entitlement to be like, okay, what are you working on now? What are you doing? Why aren't you making content right now? Mm -hmm. Where even if you're, it's not even a pressure, I feel like for them to be like, you always need to be making something, but at least always keep keeping tabs on you almost in a way.
1: Yeah, I think, and that can be, I don't want to say dangerous place for a content maker, but it's like when you have a certain—I guess you want to call it celebrity or Mm whatever—thinking that you owe that you always owe your fans, which you don't, because you will just burn out. Mm -hmm. Then, like, um,
2: mm,
1: but that's like that's what it is to be on Twitter, you know. But it's the beauty of that, like if you're making self-made content is you can take a break. You can just like go behind the, the curtain, you know, and do your mm-hmm. own thing. And um so I think I think as content makers, like anybody that makes media, you have to own your privacy and like defend your health. Yeah. Defend your physical health, defend your mental health always. Um,
0: yeah. Because no one else is going to, like...
1: Nobody, nobody else is going to, and, like, people are always going to pick at you for this or this or this, like... And, because, like, some of the messages I got, like, in the pandemic, it's like, okay, it's a global pandemic, and I had people be <laughs> like, why aren't you shooting? Why aren't you making... Par-? It's like, you can't touch you people. You can't Come right now. <laughs> so it just was so bizarre, like, how people... Like... Uh,
0: I feel like the only other people that deal with this level of um, kind of entitlement to our bodies are athletes where it's like, well, why didn't you do this? Why aren't you doing this? And it's just like, we're also people behind this. Like, no one, you really have to take your own mental and physical health into account because the rest of the world's not doing that. They're just like, oh, why isn't Why aren't you performing in this movie or for this company anymore? And it feels like it's almost this never-ending thing. that It's it's
1: never-ending. So it's like, uh, I've never been good at, like, ignoring things. Like, pretending Mm -hmm. like, oh, that comment doesn't exist. Like, they don't exist because I know it exists. But I, I think, like, the longer I do this, the more I have to realize, okay, like, it's good to ignore things sometimes
0: yeah you honestly need to art
1: form to ignoring um because it's just this buzzing you know that's not it's not gonna go away it's gonna Mm -hmm. sit there buzzing like why aren't you doing this make more content like wear this wear this lose weight blah blah you know and it um so it's just something you just have to gain your focus and own yourself and try to make calculated decisions, like the best, the best decisions, um, because it's, it's unhealthy. And it's like, when you're naked. Yeah. (laughs) For the world, it's like, and you've never done that. You don't know what it feels like, you know, some days, like my worst days, I wake up and I feel like I have so much to answer to. And it feels like ants crawling all over your body, you mm. know, just like this z- is z- being eaten alive or something, you know? And um, so some like, I wouldn't call them meltdowns. Like, I don't really, I don't know, but I have, I have bad days, you know, where yeah. the reality of it just like really gets to you and the exposure of the internet or like-
0: Yeah, just like you general you anxiety after- coming at you. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And it just, sometimes it just like falls on me and it's like, okay, if I'm having a bad day, I'm having a bad day and I'll curl up and watch, uh, you know, something on Netflix and eat carbs, mm-hmm. you know, and just like <laughs> pay, pay time for myself. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, and, but that's something that that exposure it's to anyone like who puts himself out there and gets caught up with self-made media. Um, even though they're not naked or important, you know, they're, they're putting themselves out there too in the same way. And um, you, you just have to decide what you want out of it. And if you're doing it for the likes, it's just not, it's not going to happen.
0: Yeah. yeah. I feel like it's so hard because this isn't, there's no one to walk you through this, especially your first few years of your career. You deal with all this stuff immediately if your career starts going well and it's just so hard to handle. Like, I never had anxiety attack in my life until like about two years into porn, working at the armory, actually, because it was all around you. And there's this pressure to be like, oh, well, you moved here for this. Why aren't you working at this site right now? Or, oh, this person who started at the same time as you is at this position or, you know, just kind of that whole um, almost centralization of porn was kind of a bad thing because there was so much competition within the company and egos would happen and kind of all of that. So I think it would be really nice if there was more education on, I just think of how to handle all of that in porn because most of these girls aren't prepared for that. They're coming out to California, you know, or Vegas now you know, at 20 years old, with really not that much experience on how to deal with mental health stuff, how to deal with physical health stuff and just kind of dealing with all the ups and downs of your first two years in this industry.
1: Yeah. Like I, I had a conversation with someone the other day and like, she subs and, um, she doesn't do it professionally, but, um, like she's experimenting with BDSM and, mm-hmm. Um it sounds like she she plays pretty hard but we were talk we were like we were talking about boundaries and she she was saying yeah but you don't you don't always know what your boundaries are so when you're you know when you're starting yeah. out in your 20s and somebody's like can I do needle play on you and you're thinking well i got like a few piercings whatever mm-hmm. and then and then you're doing it and you're like Oh well, I don't like needle play. And you know you don't like needle play because there's like five needles in you or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then that's that's a hard limit for you, but it's that period when you don't know your boundaries yet. Yeah, you,
0: you know? don't know and, them.
1: And so it's um it's scary um it's scary when you're shooting and um you know, you're shooting these scenes, you don't know your boundaries, or you don't know that you're
0: like not in a
1: good position. And then if it's being documented in video, you know, that's, Mm -hmm. that's forever on the internet.
0: Yeah. I think especially early in your career, that's so hard to know. I feel like now I kind of utilize that in a way where if I'm going to try something new or something that I'm afraid of, I want to do it on camera because I want something from it. Because I feel like if I have that reaction, I want that now. But I think early in my career, I don't think I had the amount of agency to be able to be like, okay, I can stop this shoot if I'm really uncomfortable, but I can, you know, explore it through BDSM on camera. But I feel like early in your career, you don't feel like you have that agency to be like, okay, I'm going to stop this whole production because I'm not feeling comfortable.
1: Yeah. And I I just, with the like girls who are just like starting out in their 20s, I just, I hope that they can say, I hope, I pray, what like (laughs) that they know their own power. Like they are the up and coming, like the spotlight is on them. When you're a girl just like coming into that, you have so much power. Like you're young, you're gorgeous. You have your whole life ahead of you. Like you have everything going for you. And it's like, um, to, to know what that is. And it's
0: like, I feel like it's hard to know because when you're on the way up, you don't know what it is. Even if people around you do like, I had a lot of that when I came here. Yeah. And you just show
1: up and you don't know what, what you're walking into, but everyone's just like, Oh God, I wish I was you. Like you have everything going for you. You're going to like have the most awesome life, you know?
0: Um, (laughs) I feel that a lot.
1: Yeah, but it's like, it's the way that things are in capitalism is, it's so toxic because everything is geared to like make younger people insecure so that you'll buy shit and like just be malleable, you know? So I I just, I hope young people, young people in general, like outside of porn, but in porn too, understand how much power they have. And I'm sure Mm -hmm. like a lot of people, a lot of young people like have an intuition for that or they have an intuition that they're, they're being taken advantage of or that something isn't in their best interest. Um, But yeah, I want, I want the youth to, well, and the youth will inherit the earth, you know, but
0: I just feel like it's so hard, especially when you're new, like you go from being no one to being the star so fast or you can where like when I came out here, people are like, oh, you know, you're going to blow up and all this stuff. And I'm like looking around me, like, who are you talking to? Because, you know, I was living on a college campus in Michigan. You don't think, oh, I'm going to move to California. And it's all going to work out, you know, because you see all the girls around you. They're important for a year, six months, and then they leave. And there's just so much of that. I feel like I wish there was a way to actually talk to these girls and be like, okay, this is what your career is going to be. This is what you can expect. But I feel like in this industry, there's really no way to know. And you might just get thrown into this whole thing that's way too big for you at times and not really fully understand what it is.
1: Yeah. And I think for a lot of people, it's, what do you want to say like a notch on the headboard you know like mm. six months out of your life and it's like oh I did that when I was in college but now yeah you know I've settled down I met the man in my dreams and we mm-hmm. got the house and you know the nuclear family or whatever because that you know, like for a lot of people that's that's what happens and it's like it's just part of the life experience so like and I you know if you're making money and it helps get you through college like why not you know um <coughs> so not every like there's just so many different directions you know yeah and you just you never know how it's going to turn out and like for me I'm I didn't I didn't buy a house I didn't I didn't hit like any gold rush but um for me because of when I'm just watching uh serial killer documentaries on Netflix (laughs) I just feel like like a just a regular person like a you know Mm -hmm. uh, with no whatever femdom celebrity I'm just I'm just me you know eating carbs watching
2: series
1: (laughs) (laughs) and then you know it's like when I when I go out into the world and like oh yeah I did all this shit and there was a camera and I guess people were watching and like oh did you see that did you notice because and like I have close friends where they're like if I do a show they'll be like, well, nobody's gonna Google you. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like mm-hmm. people do fucking Google me. Like, sort yeah. of like Don't, don't flatter yourself. No one's going to Google you. Like girl, they do. <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> um, and like, I don't financially gain anything from it. Right. But I like even locally, um, you know, I'll see someone as a client and then like, even the other day, um, Someone, someone had my number and he called me up. He's like, oh, I saw you started a YouTube channel and I listened to it and this and that. And I'm like, okay, why well, started that January and you saw that? How did you find that, <laughs> you know? Or there's yeah. like some guys where they do their, reser- their research and I'm like, how the fuck do you know that? I'm like, <laughs> i so it's weird. So sometimes I get startled, um, you know, but these I w- I was the one who put it out
2: there, you know. Mm-hmm. So.
0: I've gotten that with this podcast a lot, where I have friends who are like, "Oh, I listened to that episode," and I'm like, "Oh, oh, okay." <laughs> like it takes you back for sure because you're almost just when you're making so much content, you're just putting stuff into the universe, and you forgot that you forget there's actually people consuming it and listening to all of it and being like, "Oh, I'm actually really getting entertainment out of this or value out of it." Yeah,
2: and
1: it's hard to know. You, you just while you're doing it while you're making something for exposure you just don't know what the exposure is going to be mm-hmm. you know and like for me whenever I was making porn it was I had it in mind that I was making it for my friends or I you know um the people that I was working directly with it was like their input that meant the most to me so mm-hmm. like when I was making Femme do Bride it was like Randy's input and my business partner, that who is the cameraman for a lot of Mm -hmm. it, or my producer's input, and like that little world, that little circle, that was where the ideas came from and where everything was Mm -hmm. bouncing off of. And then, but it's like the exposure of it is something that I still, I don't, I don't get it, you know, Mm -hmm. and I don't understand. Like when I think of making video and putting it out there, I just think of it as like taking a rock and just throwing it in the ocean and it's just like well I don't know the ocean's big like I don't know what's gonna happen like I don't I don't know how um, things distribute you know for sure but it's when it's when things come back and you meet people and you have these conversations or like I would go to Montreal Fetish Weekend and I'd have uh, there's this guy who's like wearing a lot of latex and he recognized me and he's from Toronto and like, I'm such a big fan. And I'm like, holy <laughs> shit. Okay. He like he really knows who I am. And I was with my ex-boyfriend and my ex-boyfriend was like, Okay, wow, like you have fans, you know, and some of these mm-hmm. people, they they're like, he's like a fanboy and I, you know, he's like a, a girl. Who sees the Beatles or something you yeah know, just like really excited and I still like for me um I'm just so like detached from the whole thing so you just you just play the part you know what I mean but you don't yeah you never it's feel, very
0: strange
1: it's so weird but it's great you know yeah, like it's a great it, thing <laughs> yeah but it's just um like still and Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's, it's such a, it's such a hard thing to describe too, because I'll feel like me. And then when I put on the boots and I put on like the whole PVC outfit, Mm -hmm. and when I get into that mindset of like conquer, you know, yeah, (laughs) conquer the the man. Um, I like, I am that, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, if I command something, it's just like, I'm not fucking around like you better listen to me <laughs> yeah I, <laughs> like,
0: I, I I'm I, I'm a fan I'm aware of the videos <laughs>
1: <laughs> so um, yeah so when <laughs> when I play that game it's like my fucking rules like there's no there's no mistake like I'm the boss like um and like yeah the beat the beast gets unleashed but I don't I don't really know where that comes from like I think maybe just from being an alt chick growing up in calgary and you gotta kind of when you're dealing with jocks or cowboys walking down the street mm-hmm. and just like you know and you gotta fend for yourself and when you well in alberta you call them skids mm-hmm. he's skid. you know that's like a punk rock alt person He a skid gotta defend yourself so i feel like a little still a little bit like that oh.
0: <laughs> I, I haven't heard that one before that 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 hasn't made it down to Michigan I guess
1: <laughs> it's like it's just such a derogatory thing to call somebody um, so stupid anyway so that's <laughs> never left me as being called a kid.
0: <laughs> yeah I feel like especially going from like a performance artist to porn I feel like I can definitely also feel like there's that thing where you're like okay this is performance I know what this is and getting into that headspace and especially with it being like both of us being into lifestyle BDSM as well like I feel like you can really just tap into that that mix with like the whole performance artist thing
1: yeah but it's a weird because I definitely get drunk off power sometimes you know Mm -hmm. and that's something that you have to like talk yourself down and just be like Okay, that was nice while well, it lasted, being drunk off power. But now you gotta go to the grocery store and get like something to for dinner or whatever. <laughs> so like, you gotta take care of your shit. So, like, I don't know, it's it's pretty weird. But I, I don't know. I, like with the internet and everything, I just always, cause I I have a wild imagination and like just growing up with 80s movies and like all this fantasy kind of stuff it just like feels like opening a door to Narnia where you see all this stuff that nobody's gonna believe and you do that and then you got to close the door again and just go back to, to regular life and nobody's gonna believe you except for the people who see it captured on video then they're like what the fuck you know that's um, like my
0: favorite part. I try to, I feel like in my personal life, I dress very wholesome and no one assumes that I'm the girl doing gang bangs and like oh, getting electrocuted and having my like tits pumped and stuff. <laughs> so I, I really kind of like that almost like superhero thing where it's like, you don't know.
1: Yeah. And it's just like this double life. Yeah. That it. It can be really fun and like a lot like sometimes you feel like you're getting the best of of both worlds but Mm -hmm. then there's just it can be really tense
2: too Mm.
1: and um ridden with anxiety but um ultimately like you just you have to take care of yourself you know for sure and it's like yeah if you're having a stress out day it's like take a walk around the block like Go get some air, or whatever. Do whatever you have to do to just yeah. Take care of your shit.
0: So, honestly, my biggest piece of advice for any new performer, probably like get a therapist who is pro sex work, so you can actually talk through all this shit because your first few years in this industry are so difficult, and you're dealing with so much stuff that you never even had any clue about.
1: Yeah. Well, my my friend um asked me if I see a therapist, and and I said well I don't know like going to the strippers is such such a stress reliever for me Mm -hmm. it's just like having a a beautiful woman talk to me like yes she's getting paid but just sort of like asking me about myself and like um just having a nice conversation you know is Mm -hmm. (laughs) and just that she's that she seemingly cares you know, mm-hmm. I care about you. I'm going to give you a contact dance. Are You okay? Like just, I don't know, that kind of interaction is so nice or else I'll, I'll go and see a tarot card reader or something just because
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's like not that expensive and I can talk about my problems, you know, and they can seem like they they care for like half an hour or whatever. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I find like when I get really bombarded with with uh, the mental stuff of everything <sighs> just to have conversations and like get it out
0: you For know sure. like to not
1: internalize everything or um, you know i'll call up a friend and have like a lengthy conversation about stuff or whatever um, mm-hmm. but yeah because like <laughs> some people when they just say oh my god you deal with like a lot of heavy shit how can you even deal with that It's like, well, that's part of the problem, you know, It's when Mm -hmm. people are like, how could you possibly? Like that's, you got to see some really screwed up stuff. It's like, yeah, but you just,
0: you deal with it, you know? It's not in the way people think either. I feel like everyone thinks like, especially with porn, be like, oh, well, the sex is the most dramatic part of the scene. I'm like, no, it's literally like having to wait for lights or this person missed their flight. So you have to shoot at 3 a.m. or just like all the things around it are so much more stressful than the actual sex. I feel like that's what most people don't understand.
1: Yeah. And I find like um, just dealing with with like um, the response of people Mm -hmm you know yeah. all the feedback and everything like for me some of it is just the feedback or the fear of like oh no people aren't gonna like this or oh I should be like pushing my scenes this way or that mm-hmm. way um but that's like something that you just you have to coexist with like all those thoughts and everything um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah but I mean like for me I think because I kind of I just felt like it's my what is my place in porn now when there's so much going on? And I just, and then I just feel like I'm just gonna keep doing the same shit. Like it doesn't, I don't have to level up. I'm just gonna. No,
0: <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying to go fangirl here but like you're such an amazing femdom and like your style on camera is so amazing. Oh,
2: thank If you, you just keep
0: doing that for the next, however long you want to do the porn world will be honestly blessed for that.
1: Thanks. Cause I, well, like an example, cause in Montreal you can just, you can pick up shit off the street. You know, you can find, cause people just discard nice things. So like clothes or shoes oh, really? or whatever. Yeah. So <laughs> it's not, and it's not dumpster diving because people deliberately like, and I live by the plateau and mm-hmm. people just throw out the nice, like they're all rich in the project <laughs> they just throw out the nicest things and so you just you pick it up and you can pick up furniture like some of my furniture like I found on the street and it's just a thing um moving days is, is um July 1st so it's like mm. a thing where everyone puts stuff out on the street and you're expected to sort of go shopping on the streets July 1st but anyway so there was a, a lamp that I picked up off the street and I'm like Oh, I hope this works. I'm gonna use this for lighting in my porn. And then I'm like, okay, maybe I should invest in a bigger like ring light. <laughs> you know? Cause like when I was shooting, they didn't have the the ring light. Yeah. You know? And then and then I was trying to have a talk with myself. Like, you should stay current and like get the new big ring light from Amazon. But I'm too cheap. Like, I, I'd I feel rather you. pick up. This discarded lamp on the street for my porn, you know.
0: And it's like a cooler looking lamp, I'm sure, than just a ring light. I feel you.
1: Yeah. So it's but it's just like little things. And it's so it's like little, I get stuck in my ways and then I'm like, okay, it might be kind of embarrassing because it's not the trend or whatever, but like I'm transparent about my age. I'm 41 now, you know, mm-hmm. and my history is my history. And um yeah and I grew up I the mean, way I did and
0: you're on TikTok that's more than I'm doing and I'm 30 <laughs> I'm trying. so I'm trying. I'm, I'm yeah. very impressed by that so um I have one final question for you sure. first off it was so great to talk to you and thank you the for whole experience me. is so awesome this was such um, a treat yes um so there's so much turnover in porn and you've been in it for quite a while now what's some things you would still like to accomplish like what's keeping you going and for the future
2: um i think
1: one thing that i kind of like i really had to realize was that yeah i want to be a dominatrix like i want to call myself a dominatrix but um i don't necessarily have to have a sub i don't necessarily Mm. have to have a partner and i'm single in real life and i just want my autonomy i don't want to answer to a partner um like I just not to say oh my career comes first like because I, I don't know because love is love you know mm-hmm. but I just for me like I've put so much into the website so much into creating what a dominatrix is that I just don't want someone to come along or try to take the keys to the palace and like take mm-hmm. advantage of of what I've accomplished so um so just finding my own autonomy in what a dominatrix is. Mm-hmm. And I feel like um, doing podcasts and like my YouTube channel and just like being an individual in that world um, is something that like I'm easing into because it shouldn't just be I'm a dominatrix and um, I gain status because I can get myself to do this and to do this Yeah, to do definitely. This. Like, and it's sort of like, Cause how is that different than um cause cause a sub shouldn't be a trophy. You know what yeah. I mean? Like no one wants to like maybe some women want to be a trophy wife, but the like the pressure of being a trophy, it's it's not healthy, you know? So I don't mm-hmm. I don't want a sub to just be be a trophy and to be status and to be that currency in that world. So I just want to like own up to all the stuff I've done be transparent and just find autonomy as a dominatrix um and I guess with that like um (laughs) yeah cliche to say but like I want to travel and I want to do like more conventions
2: Mm. um
1: and just um like I'd, I'd love to go to Berlin like my friend is raving about how how great Berlin is so like and it's just something like to think I've never been to a sex club in Berlin like
0: oh you definitely that's, should it's, that's
1: wrong like I need to figure that out you know you should
0: um, definitely go for the porn film festival there it's yeah the and coolest my friend, thing
1: my friend um was raving about that so just sort of like um getting out there and like we talked about how inspirational Amsterdam is and I just I feel like I'm missing out on these like inspiration from from just traveling and it's because I really Mm -hmm. don't travel and because sometimes like I have that small town mentality like coming from a small town and just like yeah and then it's like (laughs) well I live in a big city like I've you know that's it and it's like yeah I could
0: that's how it's been since the pandemic for me I I live in SF now and it's just like I don't travel much anymore after the pandemic so I feel the same where Going from a smaller town to now a big city, it's like, oh, well, I'm here. There's all this stuff going on, which before during the pandemic, I was traveling all the time. So I can definitely relate to that. Mm -hmm. But Yeah. yeah, I think that's a really good point to leave, just that your identity as a Dom isn't defined by having a sub as a trophy. And I feel like for me, I always had this thing as a sub where I was like, okay. I'm a pro sub, all that stuff. But I was like, I need to find a dom to fulfill all this stuff. And then when I was really like, Oh, I can get all this through my work and have all these first experiences. That was like, really, I think groundbreaking for me where you can own that identity and not have it just be tied up into one relationship.
1: Yeah. Because you just don't want to it. I know that's the fantasy and everything, but mm-hmm. you don't want to just get tied into like a toxic relationship you know like it, sure. has to ma- it just all has to make sense in reality like
2: mm-hmm.
1: as much as I love the fantasy and it keeps me going like reality comes first because you just for sure you have like physics wins you know <laughs> reality wins so you yeah. just
2: like <laughs> so, um
1: yeah it's just important to take care of your actual physical well-being and um yeah, pain. Pain should be an af- afterthought. You know, ch- mm-hmm. chasing the pain. So,
0: mm-hmm. well, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me. Where can everyone find you on social media?
1: Um, well, I'm on Twitter as uh, Goddess Starla, and I started a YouTube channel in January um, under Goddess Starla Vamp, and um, I'm on Instagram Goddess Starla Vamp and TikTok
0: with the same with the same so awesome well thank you so much <laughs> thank you so much for having bye, me bye everyone
1: bye everyone take care